genre. Cornetto Minute, the daily podcast where we crawl our way to the bitter end of the world's end, one minute at a time. I'm Scott Corelli. I'm Nick Jimenez. Today we're preparing to annihilate Minute 99, which begins with Gary realizing that they're on the hill overlooking Newton Haven and ends with Andy sitting by a fire in a train yard telling a group of young people about the night that gave new meaning to the word hangover. Mm-hmm. The night that the hangover by Todd Phillips was released in the theaters. Mm-hmm. Because in this universe, Joker never was released. No. Only The Hangover. Todd Phillips' career as a filmmaker ended with The Hangover Part 3. Mm-hmm. Released earlier that summer. Wow. Yep. Well, there it is. <laughs> That's what I'll bring to the table in a, in a post-apocalyptic <laughs> civilization. Old one. When did Hangover 3 come out? Eh, summer 2013. <laughs> Old one. Um... Uh yeah okay so let's let's uh, before we get into the juicy stuff let's, sure. let's talk about you know the return to the hill right it's uh, so beautiful that he and there so, for the start and the end there for the start and the end we arrive where we started Gary's right back where he started it's full circle and yet it feels entirely coincidental mm-hmm. it doesn't feel forced mm-hmm. and when he plops down and Andy sits down beside him. In a single image, so much becomes clear. Yeah. Of like, wow, this sucks. Mm-hmm. He's battered. He's bruised. The world's ended. But in a way, this moment is better and more meaningful than it was in 1990 because he's not alone. Mm-hmm. This time, someone's there to sit with him on the hill. Mm-hmm. It feels faded, faded. almost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like this was supposed to happen. This is almost why all of this happened. This is also the moment. But by my estimation, I think this is the moment that Gary decides he needs to change. The whole world, his whole world had to end in order for him to want to change. And that's probably what it feels like for people who are alcoholics who then make the decision to become sober. Mm-hmm. It has to feel like their whole world ends. Of like, wow. I mean, when that moment when Gary overlooks what used to be Newton Haven mm-hmm. and it, some, uh, something switches in him mm-hmm. where he's like, wow, I did this. Mm-hmm. This is my fault. Mm-hmm. And he says, maybe for the first time in the whole movie, if I'm not mistaken, I'm sorry. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you could argue that that is the moment where he's like, I, I need to, I need to be sober. I need to change. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it is. Look at the damage that I did. Cause you don't say I'm sorry unless you've done something wrong. So this is the first time that he's admitting that he's done something wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether that's destroying the world uh, or is that all of the things that he did to Andy? Mm-hmm. Is it leaving him in the accident? Is it just everything? Am I, is he just I'm sorry, sorry for being him? Mm-hmm. You know? Sorry for everything? I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and Andy says, like, I know. Yeah, and just is there for him. Yeah. And let's- Which is all he ever wanted from Andy, and yeah. Andy wouldn't give that to him until mm-hmm. now. 
Um, at the end of the world. Yeah, at the end of the world. It's, well, because uh, when we – I don't know. One thing that I've been kind of learning during this experience that we've all been going through as a species this year is just really looking at my values in the face mm-hmm. and like, like what's important now that so much has been taken away or revealed to be dust. Yeah. Look at how quickly so much gets gone and what really matters. And I think this movie makes the point that it's the connections that we make with other people and also the promises that we make to ourselves Mm -hmm. and the choices that we make of like, this is how I want to lead my life. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, It's a, it's a really poignant moment, I think. And it's, you know, this is the last, like, moment of, like, the real movie proper. Yeah, yeah, the end of the movie and the start of the epilogue. Mm-hmm. It It's great. It, it might be the most emotionally vulnerable, earnest moment of Wright's whole filmography. Yeah. Where yeah. There's no metatextual business. There's no tricks. There's no, you know, high wire act. It's just two men who love each other mm-hmm. standing on a hill looking at. The choice, you know, being there for each other. Yeah, yeah. I think the the closest that I can think of is the scene with um, where Ed dies, and they sort of like yes. headbutt. Yeah, yeah. Um, and because uh, you, you mentioned even the hot fuzz stuff is sort of somewhat played for laughs. Right, right. Or played There's some good genuine stuff in there, but it is played for laughs ultimately. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I think this is this is the closest thing that he's come to that scene in Shaun of the Dead mm-hmm. where. Ed is like, you need to go, and I'm just yeah. going to turn into a zombie, and it's fine. And Sean realizes, like, wow, I'm watching a part of my life die mm-hmm. and accepting it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And here he's watching his world die and accepting <laughs> it. Yeah. 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 Um, I think this is what it looks like the moment Gary accepts that he has a problem. Mm-hmm. And that all it took was the end of the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is great. And then we we enter the epilogue, and uh, voice Andy in voiceover says that everyone remembers where they were when the light switched off on planet Earth. Yep. Which we now know is true. Yep. Yep. Um, there's also a little moment where, like, when we're pulling back, uh, yes. that, that uh, Stephen and Sam have a moment. Yeah, Sam. <laughs> they almost do exactly what, Ga- what Gary and Andy are doing. And, yeah, it's almost like Stephen's like, I mean, what are they doing? And so, like, hey, hey come on, let's, uh, let's cuddle. <laughs> yeah, Sam puts his head on Stephen's shoulder. Stephen puts a reassuring arm around Sam. Mm-hmm. We fade out. Uh, We're in a train yard. Yeah, Andy and some urchins are getting warm by the fire. Yeah, so they're, they're, uh, they're all young people because they don't know what they weren't there that this is like this is like young people asking what it was like to be there for 911 mm-hmm. you know like they don't they don't know that's why this is like a campfire of young people old one tell us the story right right how it exactly. all changed um there's a train in the background that says to earth is human to forgive divine yeah you wonder if he did it i bet he did probably um i don't know it is it is it, it, yeah it's uh it's interesting i like the idea that andy became Somewhat of a, I don't know, at least in some way, like a guardian or steward of the young. Yeah. Kind of keeping them out of trouble, giving them a fire to stay by and stay warm at night. Yeah. You know, in a way, it's like he um, he's doing kind of a similar thing to what Gary's doing. Yeah. In a way, becoming a, a steward of some sort. Um, but I mean, I think he's ultimately a storyteller mm-hmm. now. You know, he's 
you're you're seeing how communication works. Yes. In this uh, period where communication's gone, mm-hmm. uh, the only way to communicate with others is in person. Yes. And uh, you know, around a campfire, I guess. And it's it's yeah, I don't know. It's just it's really interesting. I love the uh, the costume choices in yes. this mm. part of the movie. Visually, you can immediately <clears throat> see so much is communicated. Yeah. Just by seeing how Andy is dressed, how these children are dressed, like yeah. oh, there's nothing left. It's like vaguely medieval, but like with all modern clothes. Yeah. Yeah. It's really some underrated, you know, something we always talk about, storytelling through costume design. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. You can see that it's patched <clears throat> together with clothes that they had when <clears throat> it all went down. Right. Like, nothing new has been made. <clears throat> It is, if you look closely, modern pieces, but the effect when viewed from afar is, like you said, some, somewhat medieval. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. Taking England back to its roots. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it's just really, it's, it's, it's really cool. Have we talked about how this kind of plays interestingly? It, this pairs very interestingly with the kid who would be king. Oh, yeah, I guess it does. Because that is very much like examining... Arthurian iconography and legend in the filter of like, well, what would that look like now? What does that mean to England now? Yeah. In, in 2019. Yeah. And also like this movie is about the old, old aging looking back on their past. Yeah. And the kid who would be king is about the next generation being like, what the hell are we going to do about the future? Yeah, for what, sure. What is our place in the world to come? Yeah. I would have been curious to to visit a world where that movie was a hit and what a sequel would have looked like. Yeah. <clears throat> it's an underrated movie if you haven't seen it. That's good. Very it's fun. definitely a kids movie. Yeah, if you, you have need, if, yeah. yeah. I would say you need to go in knowing that like that's what it is. <clears throat> it's not trying to be a movie for adults. Yeah, very similar to Wrinkle in Time. Yeah. But but I would say it's I don't know. What is it better? I would say so. Yeah, I, I think it's more accessible. At I, least I, I recently rewatched *Wrinkle in Time*. Yeah, on on Disney Plus out of curiosity because, mm-hmm. and I think that movie has some really strong moments and is is is, is coming from a very earnest place. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, if I had like a four or five year old kid, I would much rather them watch *A Wrinkle in Time* than like *Transformers: Revenge of the Fallen*. Sure, but um, yeah, I think *Kid Who Would Be King* is like you know if you have like a the kid who I was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what I mean. I'm like, oh, that would be something I would want to show, like my my tw- ten, eleven, twelve year old son. Oh yeah, for sure. But yeah, it's definitely in the vein of like you know your Goonies and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, but it it's you know modern day and it's definitely a kids movie. Yeah. Um, but who, a really who, good kids movie. Who's who's who is that? Is that uh, Rebecca Ferguson? Yeah. Yeah, she's great. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's uh, two villains in the same year. Yeah, Rose the Hat. Yeah, two two incredible villains. Yeah. Yeah. Um, really, really good. Uh. And yeah, I just I really I really love this. I love the idea of him just like coming out here, Andy coming out here, starting a fire, and like maybe he does this every once in a while, and yeah. just like oh he'll, he knows he knows what happened. Yeah, let's go, let's go hear him talk. You know, um, if it's something like that. It reminds uh, me of uh, Did you ever see Rain of Fire? Yes, you know the part in Rain of Fire where the kids gather around and uh, and they act out Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, this also, uh, it, you know, uh, also similarly, it reminds me of uh, telling a story at a bar. Oh yeah, you know, just like they're they're just sitting there listening to this guy talk. You know, you can almost see the pub walls forming around them. Yeah, a little bit. You know, maybe that is like end game for Andy. 
Yeah. But this is where it starts. This is kind of the primordial version of a public house. Right. This is a safe place where you can sit and get warm and listen to a story being told. Yeah. And just feel community, feel connection with other humans. Yeah. Yeah. Um anyway. It's a, it's a, it's, it's, it's really cool. I, I really re I think the other part of why I don't have an issue with the ending at all is because I just like really fucking love it. Like I love the world of the ending so much. I think it's really cool. It feels, it doesn't feel mean. It feels honest. Yeah. It, it feels like it's not, it's, it's communicating with you very directly Mm -hmm. of like, yeah, sometimes things happen that have major unreturnable consequences. Right, but there is always a next day. Yeah, there's always a forward. Yeah, even if it's really difficult, like when Andy had to go through who knows what amount of physical therapy and mm-hmm. and, and rehab mm-hmm. to say nothing of then his journey to sobriety. Yeah, yeah, that's a dude who's known hard times. Yeah, for sure. Um, what would you say? This movie aside, what's your favorite apocalyptic, like world-ending type movie? I always get a kick out post-apocalypse, of post-apocalypse, whatever. I always get a kick out of Independence Day. Okay. Uh, yeah. Because it feels the thing that I remember even as a child, what excited me the most about watching stuff like Independence Day or Godzilla or Mount St. Helens. Yeah. Or uh, Dante's Peak. Sure. Mount St. Helens. Uh, is seeing how society reacts. Yeah. How families react. Yeah. Whether it's like, you know, people going up on top of the building with the signs. Or, like, little moments, like, the way, like, Vivica A. Fox and Will Smith are, like, arguing about mm-hmm. what to do while the alien ship is, like, in the back of the window. Mm-hmm. But they're arguing about, like, what to do with their family. Mm-hmm. That always really spoke to me viscerally as, like, oh, yeah. Because I remember as a kid, whenever there would be, like, a tornado or something, and we would all be affected by it, I would feel scared, but also a little, oh, we're, we're working together. Yeah. Like, you're watching society, like, move as, sure. As one for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, what about you? Uh, I don't know. Uh, post-apocalyptic. Probably. I mean, the Mad Max movies are cool. I'm I, really into the Hunger Games movies. Yeah. Reading the, the is that the, post-apocalyptic? Yeah, yeah. Because it, it it's written explicitly that Pan Am used to be the United States. Okay. Yeah, I thought there was another term for what that is. Um, dystopia. Dystopian. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. That might be a bit more accurate. Yeah, because um, there is a society, mm-hmm. whereas like Mad Max is like there is no society. There is no society. There's tribes. Yeah, but not like a society. Uh, the thing I like about Mad Max, and and you know that's silly because like who doesn't love Mad Max? Mad Max is great, um, especially Fury Road. But when you look at those original three Mad Max mm-hmm. movies, it's interesting being able to draw a straight line through the decay. Yeah, the decay. And and how we get to Fury Barter Road. Town? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. I don't. Because who knows where where Fury Road yeah, takes place but, in the timeline? But the but. road, the road from Mad Max or Max Max Rakitansky being a cop, right? Working the beat as society teeters on the edge of collapse, right? To Barter Town, trying to make sense of a world post collapse, right? Yeah, um, and and Road Warrior in between those two things mm-hmm. is, oh well, and like. Like, you know, for example, like, you know, in Road Warrior, they're chasing gasoline. Yes. 
in Bartertown, they're chasing like water, <laughs> you know. And the same thing with uh, with Fury, Fury Road. Road. It's like it's not so much about gasoline anymore. It's like water survival. Yeah, it's survival, which I think is is uh, I don't know. It's just interesting. I really yeah. like that aspect of yeah. those movies that it like it low key makes sense. There's like you can trace it. Yeah, he's he's thought about it. You mm-hmm. know, George Miller thought you get about the it. Sense of somewhere in that be- in the brilliant mind. Mm-hmm. Is like the Bible of he, this world. Yeah, the history. Yeah, yeah, and he and he knows it so well that he doesn't need it to be reflected in the movies. Right, right. The movies can just be rides, right, and mood pieces. Yeah, and just be because he knows where it takes place, and so he knows everything will make sense because he knows where it takes place historically, even if no one else does. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I think that's really interesting. Uh, I also, uh, I I find it in terms of like a movie that has a uh, an apocalyptic thing happen and then what happens on the other side of that um this movie has a weirdly a lot in common with Mars attacks sure. in terms of that movie happens they figure out how to way, a way to get rid of them and then in the end like a lot of people are dead i would argue most people are probably dead mm-hmm. and every I- every every uh iconic piece of human geography has been destroyed yeah yeah and then you, and then you have this ending that I think is the reason why that movie wasn't looked upon so fondly when it came out, which is like a bummer of an ending where it's like, yeah, we we won, but like, God, we lost so much. Yeah, you know. Uh, whereas like Independence Day is like more of a fist pump. We did it. Yeah, we did it. We we fucking brought him down. We fucking killed those fucking uh, ET yours. motherfuckers. Yeah, yeah. and it's like, woo, America. Like it's kind of that when vibe. Mars attacks is like. Well, we're alive. Yeah, right. Oh, thank God. Yeah. Like, and and when you – I remember when I – like it's been a while since I watched it. But when you see like everyone who made it, you feel good because you're like, oh, like Ving Rhames is still there. Yeah. Pam Greer still – oh, no, Ving Rhames died. But Pam Greer is still there. And like Natalie Portman and the old No, lady. no, no. Ving Rhames – Oh, you, you think that he's yeah, dead. Yeah, he thinks like, he's dead. And then he shows up at the end and he's, oh, he, he steps on yeah. one of their heads. Yeah. And his sons oh, – I love Mars Attacks. Yeah, Mars Attacks is dope. <laughs> Yeah, Mars Attacks is a dope yeah. movie. Cause, cause it ends so, with President Natalie Portman. Yeah, because yeah. I think that's what's so cathartic about Mars Attacks. And you really get a sense of the way Burton sees the world mm-hmm. is so much of what is eviscerated from the Earth in Mars Attacks is like bullshit. Yeah. Where like power, yeah. the presidency, money, right, all that stuff is very quickly laid low under the – you know, and quickly revealed to be absurd mm-hmm. and worth mocking. Mm-hmm. And what like survives is like tenacity, yeah, creativity, yeah, and gumption, yeah. And the only people who survive that movie are the ones that are like thinking and using logic, yeah, and not the ones that are swinging their dicks around. Right, right, right. All those people get smushed. Yes, all 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 versions of Jack Nicholson die. <laughs> yeah. All uh, versions of Devito. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think there's a similar reaction to that mm-hmm. movie that this movie had, where yeah. people are like kind of like having a good time and then suddenly the movie gets a little too real and they're like well this isn't what i signed up for yeah, you can't come back from that it's, it's yeah it's how i felt when uh when when barbara died shawn of the dead sure now all of a sudden you can't just go back to the regular world and sit back on the couch right and the movie does <laughs> but certainly tries it, but it comes at a cost yeah, yeah. yeah like oh no you can't you can't unring that bell yeah yeah and i think the older i've gotten i kind of appreciate those moments more because you, you realize that that's how the world is sometimes. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, I don't think there's there's like not enough. How do you feel about Waterworld? Uh, I think Waterworld. 
I mean, Waterworld is basically Mad Max in the water. In the water, um, and and done wet Max, wet, done poorly. Uh, I I feel like Waterworld is one of those one of those movies that I think would supremely benefit from a remake. Yeah, because like you know, we always remake the wrong movies. We always remake the good ones. We, yeah, we remake the perfect ones. Yeah, um, which is stupid. Like the, we we remake the ones that are so obviously miracles. Yeah, like Total Recall shouldn't work, but it does. Yeah. So when you remake it, you're like, it's not going to work. Yeah. Why? You're not going to get that again. No. No. And why would you want to? Like, yeah. what? 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 What does that do? Like, you know? Yeah. Um, but something like Waterworld where you're like – because we the stuff we return to over and over again about Waterworld is how weirdly prophetic it is. Yeah. And how it – And how it has a stunt show that will not die. Will not uh, die. And is still going strong at Universal Hollywood. Yeah. How great would it be to kind of like bring that – almost? It's almost like when you when you realize like, well, everyone just remembers the stunt show. Right. So we're going to keep that. Everyone remembers Kevin Costner drinking his own pee. Sure. And like the planes. Sure. And like – at least that's what I remember. Yeah, yeah, like, sure. I can remember I would I had that on video, mm-hmm. and I would watch it, and I would very little of the plot and character sticks with me. Sure, except you know the little girl, the mom, and Kevin Costner and Dennis yeah. Hopper. But I remember the world, right? I remember the look, right? Yeah, I mean, I think I think you could remake Waterworld, and it could be really dope. Uh, Waterworld, as it stands, not so great. It's really long, isn't it? It's really long, uh, like really long, and not not. Good. <laughs> um, you, uh, I've never seen The Postman. Have you seen The Postman? I have not, actually. That's directed by Kevin Costner. Right. Also, yeah, he also, had a whole thing about the post-apocalypse. He saw it coming. There. Yeah. He wanted uh, He he wanted to – I think he just like wanted to be – I think he saw Mad Max and was like, I want to do that. I want to do that. Except I want to be able to talk more mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, yeah, um, be more of a character, put more of myself in it. Mm-hmm. So he just kept coming up with scenarios where – he could be a Mad Max, and it's just like he was he's the, not, the he's Mariner. Not that vibe. Was that his name in Waterworld, the Mariner? Mm-hmm, I think so, because he was kind of very like gruff and like prickly. Yeah, and, like this is my raft. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, I don't know. Warm bodies? Would you call that a post-apocalypse? I don't know. I never saw that. It's good. Yeah, it's fun. I've heard that. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's like I think there's like kind of a dearth of post-apocalyptic movies, honestly. It's like surprise! Like I can't think of a whole lot. There's once a lot you, of once you draw the distinction between post-apocalypse and dystopia. Yes, definitely. Yes. Um, Day of the Dead. Day of the Dead. Post-apocalyptic. Much, yeah, yeah, for sure. Whereas Dawn of the Dead is is during the apocalypse. Right. In, in media res of the apocalypse. Right. 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 Uh, it uh, starts prior. Night of the Living Dead is the dawn of the apocalypse. Dawn. And then dawn is <laughs> night is the dawn, <laughs> um, but no dawn is there at the dawn as well because you you show them like having like a real job at the beginning. Yes, and then, yeah, yeah, and then transition to other stuff. Um, this is the end. Oh yeah, this is the end. Which it, this movie is always confused with because they came out some the same similar year. title, similar year. Yeah, and that is also I have not ex- rewatched that movie since quarantine. But I imagine a lot of it hits different. Probably. Because I think the reason that movie works is because it's so human. Yeah. And everything feels honest, the way that people are reacting. Yeah. And it the way that it's what doesn't change, even though the apocalypse happened and even though like there's a big old big dick demon walking around. Right. What stays is the interpersonal relationships you have with these people. Right. And your friends and your right. baggage. Right. Yeah. That's true. Um. Anyway, yeah, I'm trying to think of like Rain of Fire. Sure, of course. Post Apocalypse, right? We referenced that earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, wouldn't call Edge of Tomorrow because we're trying to save it. 
Right. Civilization is still can still be taken. The military back. exists. The military still exists. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. If if the military if 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 any sort of like societal thing still exists, then it's not the post apocalypse. Yeah. And that's like Mad Max is not post apocalyptic until Road Warrior. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, there still exists. Max himself is a living relic. Right. Of law and order. Right. Right. Um. And Hunger Games has a grand scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is, the reason it's a dystopia is, is it's about it's the, a society. Yeah, they're repressing against an oppressive society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's 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 know. a little different. Um, hmm. Uh, gosh, what was that movie? It was like super indie. Bellflower. Did you see Bellflower? No. It was like mumblecore Mad Max. Oh, interesting. Where it was like after the apocalypse, but it was like on a much, much shorter budget. Yeah. And so it almost felt real because it's like, yeah, this is what Silver Lake would look like after the apocalypse. Oh. And it's about like this guy makes like a car and it's like a super like revved up Mad Max looking car. Hmm. And he just rums the wastelands of like, and it was somehow like hipster, but also apocalyptic. Yeah. Because it was on such a short budget. Right. 2011, 2012. Oh, okay. So prior to this. Yeah. Interesting. Um, all right. Well, I think that's yeah, I think it's on it, the Facebook. Right? What are your favorite post-apocalyptic movies, listeners? Yeah, let us know. What do we forget? I'm sure we forgot some for sure. Um, the T Public st- Store is uh, duelinggenre.com slash merch. You can go there, get uh, T-shirts and uh, yeah. masks and uh, sweatshirts and coffee mugs, coffee mugs, all that stuff. Uh, we have artwork for all three seasons, both uh, with our faces and without. Uh, depending on your uh, your taste. So check that out. That's duelinggenre.com slash merch. Yeah, and it um, all supports independent artists. Even yes. if you don't buy from our channel specifically. Yeah, we'll still get a cut. They'll get a cut. Everything's everything's great. So uh, that is duelinggenre.com slash merch. And tomorrow we'll be back with Minute 100. But for now, let's begin. Let's begin.